0: I guess I must be.
1: Yeah, you're ready. We're just I'm ready. ready? We, we're just go when we go. You know, is starts, that how this works? We're just going. Just, <laughs> we just go as it goes. There's no like, you know, massive. Well, there's an intro on our audio version, which is mm-hmm. amazing. The intro on the audio is amazing. But for video, we just show up. That's what we do. We show up here. Is that we so. just
0: show up. Yeah, yeah, I think that's
1: good.
0: Yeah, we we'll just show and, up. Uh, and <laughs> hi, hi world. everybody.
1: hello so this is episode two of what's good in the world and episode one I think was really awesome and a lot of people saying wow we'd really need this right now so uh, that was nice
0: I needed it that's for sure um it was great and it was great to hear the feedback just people seemed to also appreciate that focus on things that are positive and joyful which I you know I figure, you know, while well, we're a sample set of two, we're probably not alone.
1: No, uh, <laughs> no definitely not alone. But our, our own take on it, you know.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Fantastic. I. So, what okay, do you got for... for us, Isla? What's your What's your first positive? Um,
0: one? My first positive one. I don't know if I should go for the um the the big. I'll go for the big one.
1: Okay, let's go big.
0: I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for the the bigger one. Uh, going on my my theme, but but I don't I don't want anyone to feel like they they have a sense of what I'm going to come up with because that always gets them into trouble. But but the theme so far around environmental stuff I don't know if you heard about it, but um we agreed to the U.S. and the EU agreed for the first time to create a fund at the COP27, which is a climate summit essentially for the world. Um, to pay for the losses that some countries have due to climate change. and the the reason that I see that as a positive thing, I mean, it's probably evident, but just that there has been a lot of unintended consequences, I'll be you know, and so there are countries that are facing the impact of climate change that contributed little to nothing <laughs> to the actual cause and so for the these two wealthy countries the uh, or entities the US and the EU to recognize that and then provide some support to the countries that have it been impacted to me there's some hope around that not just for that in you know obviously that's a good one but also just maybe some more global awareness of our interconnectedness and the ways in which what we do here does have an impact and a lot of times, the way that we talk about it is kind of individualistic and a little shaming, right? Like you need to recycle more, and really, you're not the problem. Right. <laughs> it's much larger, and mm-hmm. so for these larger entities to actually take on some accountability, um, I, I just feel like that, you know, hopefully, that's a indicator of a change in terms of people recognizing we're interconnected, we have global impacts, and accountability isn't scary or bad. Like, that's one of the things that I I find really perplexing in life is that people will go to immense effort to avoid accountability, much more effort than they would have to go to if they were able to sit with the discomfort of recognizing their impact and then taking on some kind of action to address it. Uh, So there's a lot for me in that that's positive, as well as the immediate positivity of, you know, maybe some of these countries will, their suffering will be alleviated with actual support as opposed to, yeah, you're fine, (laughs) which seems to be how we've dealt with it for a long time.
1: Yeah, this, uh, I've heard of this and, um, you know, it's interesting. It's a big conversation about kind of the global South and places where, um, there's this extreme poverty. Mm -hmm. And I, I listened to really good podcasts, uh, with Lex Friedman and these two, uh, kind of One guy's kind of a climate alarmist, another guy's journalist. It was like four hours. I did not listen to all four hours, but I listened to like (laughs) two hours. Mm -hmm. I got in like two hours while I was traveling. And it was much, a lot about what you're talking about with Mm -hmm. that, the responsibility of developed nations um, and what you would call, you know, rich nations to help out poorer nations uh, because it's very difficult for, um, nations in the global south to really just pick themselves up and create uh, these better options. Because really, what's you know, it's whether we move electric and all these things, the gas-powered cars are going to be sold in the global south, and then they're mm-hmm. going to there's going to create more pollution. It's it's a big cycle, the whole thing with yeah. it. So you know, we point it is we got to help people, and we've experienced that same difficulty in the United States with underrepresented populations essentially like, well, why don't you just do better? Well, you know, it's not that simple. Um, Mm -hmm. And we're facing the same thing with climate change, I think, with certain places. So um, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, That step is being taken.
0: Yeah. Well, and what you're talking about, too, it's one of my favorite soapboxes, which is the concept of enlightened self-interest, which is to say, you know, instead of saying, like, this just supports me, like, I think taxes for schools are a good example of that. Like, even if you don't have children, you pay for that because in, if you have in the whole concept of enlightened self-interest is that you want an educated population, although there's, you know, that, and so that like means that even if I don't have children, I would contribute to taxes that would educate them and other types of things like, and to me, that feels like an important concept maybe to reclaim like of course we want everybody to do well and have the individual experiences, but we also want them to be thinking about the impact and the reality that like, if there's, you know, if we run out of water, nobody gets to drink water anymore or whatever right. it is. <laughs> like, so maybe we should define a balance. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, it's so. interesting. And it's also like, I think you have to, there has to be a mechanism of help, but then the mechanism also can't feel so big that people just give up on it because mm-hmm. they go, the problem's too big, you know, whatever. You know, it's Mm -hmm. this kind of inertia that humans have in addition to avoiding accountability, which when you said that, I was like, wow, I love the way you said that. It's like we'll scratch and claw to do everything but that Mm -hmm. part of it. And that's a very innate thing with humans and small things and large things.
0: I mean, I've done it. I'm not pointing a finger at anybody else. How dare you say these things? (laughs) Right. Like I, I 100% have had those experiences where I realized like, oh, I have been putting way too much effort into like trying to look good or try to yeah. convince myself that my behavior wasn't problematic for whatever reason. And it's, it's, I mean, it's very uncomfortable to look yourself in the face and be like, wow, I'm not showing up the way I thought I was or wanted to. That's a really painful experience and it's way less work. So if you're lazy, I suggest accountability.
1: <laughs> I suggest accountability. How about that accountability thing? I'm going to suggest that.
0: Like, I'm just saying, <laughs> if you yeah. want to do less work, go for accountability.
1: <laughs> that's right. It's What a fantastic thing that's happened. I mean, I, I hope to hear more good news in that light because, I, you know, I think it's, it's pretty well known that at this point, there's not a huge amount of denial uh, that there are things changing in our climate. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, there used to be a huge amount of pushback on that, but I think there's just so much out there and data and stuff. It's, it's very difficult to deny that something's going on. And, yeah. and also it just, it just also shines a light back on poverty and less fortunate and how it, it and many times it is the responsibility of, of well people or well-to-do people to, to help out and for us to help each other. We are a part of the same species here. I mean, mm-hmm. we're on the same planet. There's nothing else out there at this point, mm-hmm. you know? So We should take care of each other and our only home that in all honesty is what we're going to have for a very long time. Continue to, you know,
0: and it's beautiful. I just drove out to see my dad and he lives in Southern Utah and the, the drive is so gorgeous. And, and also it's such a stark red country. And I just, I think about the, the, like the people that, that came here from other countries or, you know, it came here from the East when they were first kind of like forging out into places they had never been, Yeah, which is something I don't know that we as modern people can really understand because so much has already been like revealed. But yes. what would that have been like to go from that green forested area to this stark, you know, red, almost no trees? Like what an amazing discovery that must have been and powerful and just driving through it because it, you've told you about aphantasia like i don't remember what things look like so every time i see it it's like it's brand new mm. <laughs> and i'm like oh yeah. wow right this is amazing well, It could be a
1: benefit to that
0: <laughs> like- oh yeah no aphantasia has a lot of benefits <laughs> not knowing about it is the major lack we'll talk about all it right. at some point i'm sure, sure. but um
1: Most but anyway definitely. tell
0: me your first story all
1: right my first one i think this is pretty interesting so the world's first trial of lab-grown blood could revolutionize transfusion. Millions of people have just uh, basically been introduced to the first injected lab-created blood. Hmm. So donation to blood, eventually in the future, you may not need to donate your blood for other causes. And this will also decrease um, reactions and different issues that come with donation with blood, things of that nature. Um, so this very small sample size, only two people have received lab-grown uh, red cells uh, from blood that was created in the lab. There's been no side effects so far. Clearly, that's an extremely small sample size. But the fact that it's possible is mm-hmm. really amazing uh, yeah. for that. It just reminds me of how much humans are able to do when we put ourselves in the direction of helping other people. Much like you were talking about with the climate yeah. aspect and medical and health and wellness, there's a lot of things happening like this. Uh, different, in the same article, they talked about different technology to help deaf and hard of hearing people to like um, these glasses that are like AR-based glasses for that. Huh. It's like all these different technologies that we're not hearing about. But right. A lot of amazing stuff is happening in the world. Literally, lab grown blood. I was like, mm-hmm. wow, this is mind blowing. You know,
0: that's awesome. I have to say, like, I have, you know, a friend of mine is a vegetarian uh, mm-hmm. for because they identify as a pacifist. Right. Okay. And so we have a lot of interesting conversations about that. And I was like, well, would you eat, you know, lab grown meat? And yeah. And the answer isn't really important, but it's interesting because like, I know it's fine, but I definitely, I wouldn't say I have a fear of it, but maybe it is a fear. I'm just like, what's like, I I think I have that, that, that uh, lizard superstition thing going on Mm. where I'm just like, that is so cool. And I'm glad they're doing it. And I know they make synthetic things all the time that I really like, but I don't know. Like, I mean... I don't even have like a point per se, just this feeling of like that inner conflict of like, that Mm. is so cool. And it's exciting. And it would make such a difference, right? Because synthetic blood would not be exposed to the same environmental concerns, such as diseases or um, things in the blood that weren't expected, right? Right. So it'd be much safer and easier to acquire and to make sure you have exactly what you need. And then there, so I'm like, that's awesome. And then this, the other part of me is like, but- but (laughs) I don't even have like a good, there's nothing that follows it. It's just superstition. I think,
1: Mm. you know, I
0: don't know. Like, I don't know if you've ever had those moments of feeling that like awareness of your own superstitions, but
1: (laughs) yeah, there's, there's a, there's something there. It's like maybe some hesitation or something that maybe is hard to define uh, what Mm -hmm. that is. Like the lab grown me thing is interesting. I follow this very closely Mm -hmm. and um you know, I've been a meat eater my whole life, but I feel like uh, I've I'm very close to being what you would call a vegetarian at this point. Mm-hmm. And I would say, like, I've become more ethical based as I've gone on. And I feel like I told my wife that not long ago, I was like, I can see in 10 years I won't be eating meat. I mean, I just feel it. You mm-hmm. know, I was like, you know, and and I think that we're catching up to this idea. I, I told a friend of mine when we were on this podcast one time, he's like, what do you think humans are going to regret like 200 years from now? I'm like, factory farming for sure. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Like, yes. we're going to be like, what were those idiots up to <laughs> back then? You know? Right? But, but it's amazing the things that we can create. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like it's limitless, almost. You know, these ideas come to fruition. It's like, what else can we do? I just never even thought about that idea of like lab-grown blood. This is yeah. not even a concept to me until I read it.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, and and that's it's the there's so many possibilities, so many innovations, and there's so many people out there trying to do things and, you know, most of them are going to fail or go into obscurity right. because it's kind of how it works. You know, most of my ideas don't work out the way I want them yeah. to. And that's fine. That's all. I, I think that. That's part of why there's a, honestly like a reward. You have a dopamine reward system that works on um also being wrong. Like essentially you, they've, the, you, know, you get the most uh, dopamine for being right half the time. I feel like there's some evolutionary like incentive to experiment or seek the unknown because that's where the the new options come from is yeah. somebody trying things. And you have to try a lot of things before you find the thing that works, um, you know?
1: Yeah, I feel this way kind of like, like with social robotics that I feel like it's a really just burgeoning field. I'm so fascinated by it, but I'm kind of like, well, do I, what is my hangup about robots or like having a robot in the future or the ethics behind it? But then again, we all have robots in our homes, generally speaking, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, what's, what's the kind of the cliff when it becomes more of a social aspect mm-hmm. of it and like how, what rights robots have and things there's, these are like questions we're going to grapple with, in the future, probably far beyond when I'm alive, uh, I'm gone, but I think we're headed towards this future of infinite possibilities of incredible innovation. Um, and it's just, I'm surprised though when I hear about things like this lab grown blood, cause I'm just like, why didn't I think this was a thing? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just you know, when somebody tells you something, you're like, duh, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. why didn't I think about that? You know?
0: what is, I'm guessing, um, and we'll, we have links for all these things or references. They'll be in the notes just for those of you that are listening. But, um, I'm curious what the difference between synthetic blood and lab grown blood is Yeah. like, um, probably they start with cells. I don't know.
1: I don't know. I didn't go deeply into mm -hmm. it, but I was Mm -hmm. like, wow, this is pretty like mind blowing, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and just think about that, like in terms of as you said maybe it's a small sample size have to just a larger one to move forward but in terms of things like emergency places in you know areas where accessing blood for patients might be more difficult or time consuming there's a lot of people that could potentially be saved or less damaged if that was available without having to go through the other the process of harvesting it which sounds weird to say i know
1: right <laughs> <laughs> we're harvesting your blood it's amazing it's really amazing it is awesome yeah i think i was like really stunned by that and i was like i'll be sharing that today on Mm -hmm. here so but that's cool so what do you have next for us
0: so um my other one's a little so yeah it starts with a a low note but it but it has a high note to the to the end of it which is that we we are aware it's been objectively assessed that our country, America, USA, whatever we want to call it, uh, has a a loneliness problem. And, uh, you know, there's been a rise in suicides and uh, suicidal thoughts amongst all ages, specifically also children. Um, And that's, and that was before the pandemic, we were already going up there. And um, one of the solutions that uh, this, uh, our article talks about is libraries. Libraries can unite a lonely divided nation. The time has come for a great re which I really just love that title, across America. The country's most egalitarian institutions, its public libraries are a crucial place to start. And so this person's talking about a solution as a place for uh, you know, recognizing that libraries and librarians are often uh, crucial pieces of social infrastructure and access and they're, they're everywhere. Uh, I don't know in, in Canada, when the pandemic first started, the libraries like got together to disseminate local food. Cause they're like, we already now to sort and organize things and we're everywhere <laughs> because that's what librarians yeah. do. They're great.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and they have a lot, usually have a lot of services and they're frequently, um, Fre- they're frequently uh, visited by people from across the spectrum in terms of ideologies, uh, racial and ethnic backgrounds, as well as socioeconomic status. Um, I don't know. So I was just, I mean, I liked that somebody was actually acknowledging the crisis with a suggestion of a way to, um, you know, kind of support something that would bring about some community. Um and I also like to just talk, I mean, I love libraries. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, going to the library was the greatest of freedoms. I could go wander and find every single book I ever wanted. <laughs> and when I was a kid, you could take like 30 out and I did. Wow. <laughs> like I was a voracious reader, you know? And I don't know, I just like that, you know, they're still here performing that that opportunity to open yourself up to a whole new world, so-
1: You know, what's interesting about libraries, I I think I'm the opposite of you on this. Uh I've never been a voracious reader (laughs) of anything like I'm like a big like I don't know. I've been to many libraries in my life. I think they're amazing. Actually, they're amazing places. I always think of like Ghostbusters when I go into a library and I'm like thinking (laughs) like I'm (laughs) in the stacks, you know, I'm down in some weird place. I always think of like being in college and going to the library and this the kind of the hum of the lights and the peacefulness of the late nights mm-hmm. and uh, kind of this almost a sanctuary. Mm-hmm. The reading part was not my thing. Not for you. That's <laughs> <No. laughs> fair. <there. laughs> <laughs> the reading part was not a thing, but it was like, oh, it's kind of a nice, quiet place to be. And uh, But I do think it has tremendous value. And I think libraries are strange places in that as we've gone through technological innovation, we go from like books to like electronic books, but then there's like this big thing of people wanting actual books mm-hmm. as well. So it's like one of the things where like it moved forward in technology, but people always want to pull it back to books, like regular. And I think that's a positive thing, actually. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's it's a great thing that uh, libraries are serving such an important aspect in society with loneliness. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and they can like this guy was saying. You know, we get to because. Okay. I don't know about your local politics, but I feel like every single year I have, or every time I go out to vote, I have to say yes. Please keep funding the library and the programs. Yeah, like yeah, I don't yeah, know why there. this is up for debate. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, let's let's actually do more of that because it it. And so I think that you know he was talking about it as a way to invest in this. He calls it the great reknitting, which I or I and I I really think that that kind of mentality of like, you know, how do we find ways to be together and around each other and come Mm -hmm. together on things we agree on, or even just things we both want. Like I used to go to the library when my kids were little for the little story hour so that they could, you know, hear someone read a story that wasn't me, frankly, (laughs) right, (laughs) right. and say, and a, a story that I might not have picked out, you know, that's a way that you can give your kids access to different kinds of information is let someone else select the material. Um, and so, yeah. So I just, you know, and there are always new things there to see, and I always have like the books up and everything. So, um, I mean, we'll see. But it, it just—it was a moment of like, oh, okay, somebody's talking about how we have this problem, and then they're also making a suggestion for here's here's a way that we could work together to to create opportunities that are ubiquitous across the country. Mo- yeah. Most communities have at least one library, so. Sure. That's the my claren- my um my call to action is invest in your library and visit it.
1: <laughs> invest in <laughs> libraries. And visit. I, I have been to the library many times. I'm just not reading there or checking out books. It's like, what are you doing there? Right.
0: No, no, I used to actually Quiet. that was my um, you know, before they had co-working spaces, that was my co-working space was yeah. I would go hang out at the library to work. Um, because I have I've often worked by myself. So it was always nice to go be there, even if I wasn't doing anything else, just to be around people and yeah. to be in a different environment that didn't have dishes I needed to clean. Just, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I would I say the last significant time I spent at the library, I was twenty nine and I spent like hours there. I'm forty four right now okay. But it was because I was finishing my doctorate. This was at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, and mm. I was literally finishing just the final edits to my dissertation. And huh. I was in there literally all day. And, and then I was printing it out. And I remember crying because I was so happy I was done with that damn <laughs> dissertation. And I walked so just- out of the library and I was like, see you later library for a long time. You like- know,
0: that's fair. They may not be for everybody. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like them, but I I have this memory of that. I was like, uh. but I wanted to ask you something before we move on is, I just started thinking about this loneliness thing, and you talked about before, pandemic. Why are people so lonely?
0: I mean, there are a lot of theories. Uh, I I personally, I think it's a lot of different things coming together that that have created that, but there's... There's a lot of social distance, if you will, and there has been for a while and a lot of fear, I think people have of even, even like it can come from a good place. Like I know a lot of people who, if you listen to them, talk acquaintances as well as closer friends, ultimately they're like, they're afraid of like upsetting people by saying the wrong kinds of things or getting judged Mm -hmm. for how they do their life or, um, So I think there's just a lot of fear that people are grappling with. Um, We aren't as good at disagreeing as we could be like, you know, and I personally believe that with all the best intentions, we made some choices in our public education. Um, Like we removed a lot of the soft skills education because it was uh, biblical stories. So Mm -hmm. those character lessons that kids would get, um, got replaced with nothing because people are like, oh, you can't have uh, religious homilies in a school, which is you know reasonable, the separation of church and state. But instead of replacing it with character stories about how, you know community and how to engage that kind of stuff, um, we just have nothing. <laughs> and so, um, and, and that I think that, and I don't know. I read an article it was really interesting. They said it takes about 250 hours to make a friend
1: or wow. 300
0: when you're an adult hmm. and think about how you get 300 hours with someone as an adult
1: well, okay wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute this is a great line of thing. we got to continue this year this is okay this is excellent 300 hours as an to adult. make a point. Like,
0: yeah how do you get that as an adult as a kid you go to a sleepaway camp and by the end of the camp you've gotten your 200 hours like
1: how do you do that in real life i mean like <laughs>
0: i don't i mean it's interesting right i think it's um i think that's where things like social clubs or interest-based clubs like Mm -hmm. you know if you go go down to the same you know knitting group every wednesday or um or gyms i think like you know you maybe go work out with some friends regularly and after a couple of years of an hour a week you're like, maybe we will go out for a soda <laughs> or a beer. And then you do that for a couple of years. And so five years later, you have a friend. You know, it's like, interesting.
1: Oh. I'm really dissecting this now. I'm going to die mm-hmm. because, listen, you and I are here doing this biweekly show. We've become yes. friends. How did yeah. that happen? Right. It's like now there's been no in-person connection. Yeah. Right. So it, I think it, it proves well, it's at least uh, observationally here. It's it's awesome to be in person with people, but I don't think it's like necessary to create a friendship. Mm -hmm. You know, there's different versions of friendship. And uh, it is like in our current online age, if we have the opportunity to have, let's say, like these conversations. Yeah. Or we text with people, we call people, we have lots of opportunities to actually develop relationships. Are people not doing that or are they? I'm trying to figure this out. I'm like, mm hmm.
0: Well, I mean, I think I do think there are um, different kinds of hanging out too like that's yes. where they were, you know, like so we've done, you know, in this like we've done a lot of those deeper conversations. Mm-hmm. and And so I think that that's a different type of engagement. But yeah. it is awkward, like I you know, to start there with a lot of folks. Like we had a context for it, the show and stuff sure. like that. And, and I'm just that person. Like, I'm not great at small talk at, post, <laughs> post pandemic, my first social engagement, I was just trying to talk. And finally it was like, like, I never was good at small talk and it has, I have completely lost it.
1: Yeah.
0: I apologize. I'm not trying to be rude here. I just don't know what to talk about with people <laughs> anymore. Like it's either really deep or I'm, I don't know what to say. And, <laughs> and, and, so like you have, to, and you have to be able to live in that middle ground. Like of it's, a, it's important, but um, but I do think that like those deeper or those more like involved engagements probably affect yeah. it, but they were just saying as an average for people, a lot of it is time, which is why a lot of people time. have like work friends, right? Like right, right. They, they have people, cause like you said, like, even though, um, and it's weird, right? Cause they're in person, they may not be engaging, but right. they're in the office for 40 hours a week over time, there's enough, whatever, whatever it is. That they right. start to feel an openness to a connection but i'll I'll do one more of my wonky academic things which is theres this article that was talking about um a discovery I want to say Mesopotamia i'll I'll find the article and share it yeah I'll uh, put it in here but they were talking about how they had found this basically party building uh built like a couple thousand years ago and the the guy who was talked that wrote the article also tended to um research religious things and he said that as you become older you become more wary because you've had some experiences in life that show you can't really trust everyone When you're little you tend to trust the people in your world because they primarily been vetted right and that's what your option is <laughs> yeah as you get older you become more guarded and um alcohol and religion in in his article he's kind of served the same purpose where they help people to lower their inhibitions enough to make friends right. as, a, <laughs> and so that's why social drinking, as opposed to like drinking alone has a different impact because social drinking tends to help people connect and to make friends or, you know, social intoxication, if you will. And then similarly, religion and the, that community of shared values yeah. or the belief of that is this, another place that lowers those inhibitions. And my guess is probably working together in certain environments, obviously, you might not feel, but, um, but anything that kind of lets you let someone in so that you can actually build a friendship is probably part of it. And, and the other option is time 250 yeah. to 300 hours. Like we all have this is that.
1: Great. I mean, this is like, <laughs> I'm like completely, uh, into this line of conversation. Like it's, there's something about it that's really interesting to me. It's kind of, cause then all, all of a sudden you're telling me this. And then my mind went to this other far off place about, well, what happens when the communication is one way and you believe that that person is friends with you because you've just been listening to them for a long time Mm -hmm. with that? So like, let's say a podcast is an interesting way to feel like you're closer to someone, even if you're not. Mm -hmm. If you have a favorite thing, a person you listen to over and over again, let's say you put in hundreds of hours of listening to this podcast, whatever it is you start mm-hmm. feeling like there's something there mm-hmm. <laughs> even if the other person's never said a word back to you
0: right that. well that's actually the so i i don't know if you've heard the term parasocial relationship
1: yes yes
0: Though they've actually come to understand that the those types of relationships they're not bad they they get a lot of bad press because they frequently get noticed when the person the listener person <laughs> yeah um gets A little more fixated than is appropriate um so when they get out of balance but um but parasocial relationships can actually serve and they found especially the pandemic like a really important psychological function as you know especially if people are more isolated even if it's, you know, due to like a work thing, right? Where like yeah. maybe they mostly work nights. And so the only like consistent engagement they might get is their morning, you know, their drive home, you know, radio hour. And listening to those people helps them to feel that sense of connection to community and to the world they're in. And also that that consistent, stable engagement that gives yeah. you a sense of time and all those kinds of things. So um, parasocial relationships are actually really, they're they're, in, they're an intriguing field of study as far as I yes. can you know can tell. and yeah, they they provide a really big benefit, but they aren't a friendship because as you know right. they tend they're one-sided they're
1: like one-sided. Yeah. if
0: if you don't know that person, you cannot be friends with them. you can you no. can have an opening to that. you could be willing to. but until you actually have the opportunity to engage and get to know each other, it's all fiction yeah
1: so. and that's you know what's that's just fascinating to me I think like a lot of friendship is just It's a lot of time and contact. However, how that contact happens, you know, it can be variable. It's like when I do like a series with someone, that's my way of saying, I want to develop a friendship with you. Mm -hmm. Like I want to have contact time over and, you know, a certain version of it. And then, you know, as you and I have like texted offline and stuff about different things, like it starts cementing it. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think, it's it's not necessarily a magical concept it's just like you have to like want to do these things and you have to like and there's a rejection factor you feel like if you say i want to do this thing with you and the person goes yeah i don't think so like oh was i thinking about that the right way or (laughs) did i misjudge the situation you know but i love that that amount of time sounds daunting to (laughs) someone who struggles um if a person struggles with creating friendship, it may sound like, wow, three hundred. I don't I'm not gonna spend three hundred hours taking care of my house. It's like
0: <laughs> right? No, I know. well, and i I've always actually made friends pretty easily, yeah, um, I, I don't know if that's actually true. My mom,
1: <laughs> you don't know all,
0: well, let's be fair. I think it's a skill I developed because my mom moved all the time. Yeah, and so I was in a new school every other year. And so I just learned how to get to know people and, um, and, and engage with them in a way that was, um, I guess, inviting. I also do really like people and I get very curious about them. And I think that, you know, that, that gives the, that gives me more of an opportunity. Right. But,
1: yeah.
0: Um, but I've definitely had periods of time where I've been lonely because, even being able to make friends doesn't mean you can always are able to get to, to see them or,
1: right. you know,
0: when my kids were little, there'd be weeks where, you know, we when my daughter had H1N1 one, one year and it was, that was a lonely two weeks. I can have it even yeah. over. It's <laughs> so yeah. like, so it's not, you know, but that, um, but when I read that, that 300 hours thing, I was like, oh, that actually tracks with my closer friendships as mm. an adult that like, if I look at it, it it was a few it was a few years of yeah. seeing them regularly in a low pressure environment, right? Like we yes. were part of the same interest group or business group or something, and then we slowly recognized, like, oh, we might have more to to talk about than knitting yeah. or you know business or whatever, and then developed more of a personal exchange, I guess.
1: Yeah. And so Love I was like, that. no, I
0: think that actually does work, but it takes time. Like time.
1: <laughs> the thing that people don't like, oh, time, this is going to take time. <laughs> <I'm> mm-hmm. like, <laughs> right. Wow. But it's
0: like that old thing about like, I, you know, I want to learn Chinese, but it's going to take me three years. And I'm like, yeah. well, OK, but what are you going to do in those three years if you don't learn Chinese?
1: Right. You're not going to, you know, I mean, you might
0: as well start it now.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> then, so true. And you'll
0: be closer to that three years. Like
1: <laughs> most definitely. So true. What a way. That was awesome to bring that up. That was that was really cool. All right, we're going to go to outer space next. Are we ready for outer space? Going Let's wrap it
0: up in outer space. (laughs) Big
1: fan of outer space. I've always been my entire life. Uh, But I've been fascinated since last December, June, December 2021 with the James Webb telescope. Mm,
0: Those pictures Uh, are amazing. They're
1: unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, just Fantastic! So I learned like everything you could learn about the James Webb Telescope, how many failure functions there could have been in the blast off—like 365 (laughs) things had to go right for it to do it. But we're starting to get the first um, chemical compositions of planets now, Hmm. which we could not get—you know—really detailed compositions of exoplanets before. Hmm. My my big nerdness is coming out hard. That's awesome. (laughs) Okay. And what we're finding out is just some very interesting things in sulfur dioxide, carbon dioxide, all these different elements and atmospheres. And I think we're just at the tip of the iceberg. The point of me saying this is that we're, we're just starting this brand new launch into understanding planets on a deeper level that are not our own planets for that. Mm-hmm. And it's both thrilling and daunting and scary at the same time, I think. Mm-hmm. And there's so much out there in space that is so mysterious and so amazing. Um, I just think it's a great story of the triumph of humanity. Again, that we could create something like the James Webb Telescope, which is like two or three football fields and is just out there at the Lagrange point too. And, it, it, and everything for it to actually be out there is a, is a, a tremendous feat of human ingenuity and um, exploration. And mm-hmm. so we're getting, as you saw, those pictures, the pictures that you see, they're just mind blowing. The mm-hmm. cosmos is so beautiful and violent. And the struggle mm-hmm. is, is just mind blowing. So we're getting some great readings of exoplanets. And I think we're going to continue to get more things as we continue to peer into the vastness of the universe. You
0: know? I love how you said that. What, I have a question for you. <laughs> OK do you know what inspired your love of space?
1: I think a lot of movies initially, Mm -hmm. like I saw the movie space camp when I was growing up and I really loved that movie. And, and then I think my dad has just always been into space. And Mm -hmm. I just think there's something so mysterious about the universe. And, Mm -hmm. but also kind of like, we're just never going to know everything. Mm. And I kind of, I subscribe to that in a lot of things in my life. It's okay if I don't know that something like the exact, you know, calculation or that this is totally true. Like I'm okay with that. And I think sometimes we get wrapped up into this idea that like, all right, we have to know the exact mechanism of how something works. Listen, I don't know how my phone works. I literally don't know. I mean, does right. anybody know how electricity works? Like literally people <laughs> just turn on, they turn a switch up and on. They don't know what happens. Right. <laughs> like, well, you just, that's no, true. Know, do you I mean, seriously, like hmm. can any of your friends be like, how does the electricity in your house work? <laughs>
0: like I have a couple of super geeky friends who probably can. But in general, I would say, you mostly know, no, not right? so much. Right. Like, How yeah. does your
1: phone work? How does, you know, it's like most people have no clue. And like, I'm OK with that. I don't need to know in spaces like that. It's fun that we're finding out stuff, but I'm OK. Uh, that that it's so mysterious. But yeah. I just I just think it says a lot about what we've been able to accomplish as a species that I mean, we're doing some incredible things and that that telescope is one gigantic leap in our understanding of the universe, which we probably will never know everything about. It's almost Mm -hmm. impossible. It's impossible.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Those it's I actually almost thought about talking about that uh, telescope as well. And Um, but but I was like, I have too many sciencey things. I have to get <laughs> to something else. I have been too sciencey. Yeah. Um but the same thing. Like it's inspiring that it's inspiring. that there's this and the and the willingness to acknowledge that we will never know, I think is yeah. also really important. Um I I I have a personal theory that the ability to access answers and let's be clear. I love my smartphone and my Google Lake. I am in no way against these things. And I thought about like, you know, 20 years ago, if I didn't know the answer to something, I just had to not know until That's I could either right. find someone I trusted or a library.
1: <laughs> Libraries.
0: <laughs> right? And and those were my options. And now I can be having conversation with you and stop the conversation to go look up this unimportant detail. Right because I don't want to tolerate that unknowing. Maybe, I don't know. And I was like, I think being comfortable with not knowing to circle back, like I'm going to do this call back to the beginning Mm -hmm. can help with that loneliness because it's okay not to know. And it's okay just to be there with a person and not know things together. Yeah. (laughs) It's fine.
1: (laughs) It's totally fine. I mean, think about it. Your, your time on this planet is very small. It's mm-hmm. it's uh, such a tiny blip in the cosmos. I'm going space again. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> like,
0: I love it. Look at that. Yeah.
1: And, you know, you're just not going to know a whole bunch. I mean, you're just there's a lot of unanswered questions that are going to happen in your life. So why not just enjoy people in your life and enjoy learning about as much as you can about things. But the absolutes, you know, there may not be an absolute answer. Uh, there are no everything. absolute
0: answers. Okay.
1: No. <laughs> But, you know, enjoy the things that give you pleasure, that are good and give you community and connection. Um, But the cosmos to me is it's like it's literally I can see why, you know, the final frontier. It's Mm -hmm. like, man, there's nothing final about it. You're not going to get a final answer about it. I mean, it's just it's a beautiful, violent struggle happening out there. The cosmos yeah. is dangerous, but it's also so beautiful at the same time. It's kind of like humans. You know, yeah. it's like it's very similar.
0: Yeah, nah, it's really beautiful. Yeah, I agree those, with that. Those
1: pictures are like those pictures are so inspiring. People need inspiration, you know, it's like mm-hmm. more than ever, it's good to have things that you feel inspired by. And it's great when it's a person, but sometimes just an image can be just so inspiring And when I think about that and I think about, you know, when they point that camera towards a piece of space that's the size of my finger and there are billions of galaxies in my finger. Yeah. And that's overwhelming to me. It's emotional to me. You know? Yeah. It's daunting.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. No, it is. It's so much. And it is. And like what you're saying, I think that is so important to have the chance to acknowledge the things that create wonder for us mm. like in that in that in that very original sense of the word it is wonderful and awesome and yes. like feel that you know we've become a little i think saturated with awesome to the point where maybe <laughs> we don't take a moment to recognize like this is amazing
1: yeah yeah, I, I love the way you said that. That was a that was incredible. Uh, yeah, I like breaking down wonderful wonder and awe. Like when's the last someone told you heard someone go, oh, I was just in awe of this thing that I saw and the wonder and, you know, the majesty. These are yeah. often not how we use these words in today's world as much. But man, there's some incre- I've seen some incredible things like that in my life on this planet and certainly pictures of things off of our planet and uh, hopefully this this show is is trying to be part of that which is you know let's let's take in let's drink in the wonder of people and the news and things that are really good that's happening in our world you know
0: yeah because there's a lot and and that's, that's a lot there's a lot and the the reality is that you know, we all have our daily struggles and we all have the, you know, larger struggles that we participated. And we all have people that we care about who are dealing with things that are varying degrees of challenging, difficult, or awful. And it's not to say those things aren't real or important. Like I see that in the, in the world around me. And I will also say mostly the people that I've known that have, have been through the worst of things, Frequently, they are the, the ones who will stop in awe because they, they are f- frequently connected to how important it is to savor those moments as well. And those aren't the ones that often just come to us. They can yeah. sometimes, we have to seek them out. But uh, yeah, I, and thank you for being willing to, to take that on with me. And thanks to you for whoever's listening. And I hope that you find something that inspires awe or wonder in you. Today, um, check out those pictures and you would definitely have a high likelihood of that. <laughs> Cause they Most are pretty definitely. great.
1: <laughs> I mean, I could understand why the scientists, when they saw the first pictures from the web telescope, that they started crying. And yeah. they were so moved by obviously they're very passionate about the work they're doing. But you know, this is why we're in awe of paintings. When somebody creates an amazing piece of art, it moves you. It mm-hmm. makes you feel something. And yeah. space has always done that for me. I don't know what it is, just the vastness of it, the incredible, the small, the way it makes me feel small in mm-hmm. comparison to everything. I think it's important to have those feelings in life. So it's, it's just, it's an honor to like see these pictures. I'm like, wow, this is like crazy. Humans made this machine that took this picture of th- something that's 13, that happened 13 billion years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, the web, the telescope is essentially time travel. Yeah, like like, that's pretty cool, huh? That's mind blowing. <laughs> like literally, yeah. you're seeing the light from something 13 billion years ago. It's essentially the same thing that happens with our sun. You're not seeing the sun, the light from the sun as it happens. You're seeing it minutes later. Mm-hmm. Or that, that's like that's like nerdy amazing science right there. <laughs> it's like you know. Hmm.
0: Yeah, it's awesome, but yeah, like that.
1: Awesome. <laughs> awesome. That's what we're gonna say. It. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. Isla. This is always uh I'm so glad we're doing this. I really yeah, am. Yeah.
0: Me too. Thank you for taking the the opportunity with me. And I uh I can't wait to hear what your um good news is in for episode three. This is always I I will say it was kind of fun to be like, all right, like I'm too sciencey I want to do something fun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it's fun to see that's part of the whole thing is like thinking about focusing on something good yeah like what do i want to present and that i think is part of the whole beauty of this journey is like focusing your attention on good things and that's what we hope when you listen that you're focusing your attention on good things there's yeah. just so much out there that's good and let
0: us know what you come up with we're both findable yeah. <laughs> we're yeah, we're very i'm very curious what yes. what but what, what other folks find us well
1: Yeah, most definitely. Thank you, Aisla. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Take care.